Happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. Week 10 in the Sun Belt gets started on Thursday night when Coastal Carolina hosts App State in Conway, South Carolina. It's also going to feature four teams vying for their sixth win of the year, including the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. We're going to preview the Coastal Carolina versus App State matchup at the end of today's episode. But before we do that, we're really excited to have our latest Sunbelt athlete join us on the Frarian Smith podcast. Caden, why don't you tell us a little bit more about our latest guest? Another week, another great guest. Super excited about the guest we landed this week. One of the most elusive and hardest tackles in the Sunbelt. It's the super back Southern Misses running back, the one and only Frank Gore Jr. Noah, tell us a little bit about this guy and what he's been doing this season in his career. Yeah, last year, Frank ran for a career-best 801 yards on the ground and punched it into the end zone five times. He also split time as the superback for the Golden Eagles, throwing for four touchdown passes through the air. This year, he's continued to be a challenge for defenses in the Sun Belt around the country. He's added 655 yards on the ground, entering Week 10 while rushing for four more touchdowns. Last week, Frank provided one of the most electric plays in the Sun Belt. He's going to talk about it on this episode when he completed a 52-yard touchdown throw to Southern Miss in Southern Miss's win over Louisiana. Frank has already surpassed the 2,000 career yard mark and is showing no signs of slowing down. He's been an instrumental part of Southern Miss's resurgence under Will Hall and will look to lead the Golden Eagles to bowl eligibility for the first time since 2020 this weekend against Georgia State. This guy's been giving defenses headaches all year, but on this podcast, he was the opposite. He was a delight. He's really a fun personality and a great guy to have. We obviously talked about his upbringing in Miami, Florida and playing football there and his relationship with his father, who many know, and the stuff this season and the Southern Miss team that they've built some momentum, three-game win streak, and have some really exciting things going on. So without further ado, let's get to our interview with the one and only Frank Gore Jr. Another week, another great guest for the podcast. Super excited to be joined by the one and only Southern Miss running back, Frank Gore Jr. How you doing, Frank? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Always, always. So I've I've played on teams. I know that guys from Florida move a little bit different. The football is a little bit down there. And you went to Miami Killian, Killian Senior High School. Has a great, rich football history there. You got NFL alumni like Lamar Miller, Sean Taylor, some NFL greats. What was your experience like playing football there? And then just describe to the people playing football in South Florida as a whole. Playing football in South Florida is is a big, big deal because it's like football is all you got down there. It's a lot of guys. Like, it's either playing football and doing bad stuff. So if you're going to be playing, you're going to be putting your all into it. And then, like, the coaching down there, I'll say, is hardcore. It's, like, very strict. And because the coaches know that also as well, that's all they got. And then Miami Killian, uh, I have my coach. It was Derek Gibson. If you guys don't know, that's a safeties coach at FAU now. And he was very strict on me, like, personally, to be, like, a leader and push me. So I feel like he got the best out of me, and I appreciate him a lot. Now, you were originally committed to FAU, um, you know, after high school, but you decided to attend Southern Miss instead. Uh, what led to that decision, and why was Southern Miss the right fit for Frank Gore Jr.? Uh, at Southern Miss, me coming into college, I, I wanted to be able to get my feet wet early. And I saw the perfect uh, opportunity at Southern Miss. Uh, I seen a very rich tradition like it was in high school. So I see a lot of expectation and a lot of things that it's supposed to be. And then I just felt comfortable here. You know, at FAU, Lane Kiffin was switching jobs. And I didn't want to go into like a new coaching staff. And I was very familiar with this coaching staff here. 
And that was letting me got, got me here. So this is the section where we ask you questions about your father, which we're sure you're used to and probably a little bit tired of, but we did our best to switch him up a little bit. But anyone who's familiar with the game of football knows the name Frank Gore. He was the model of longevity in the NFL. And because of that, you kind of had a front row seat to really his entire career. What's your earliest memory being around the NFL? And what were some of your favorite parts of just growing up around the highest level of the game? Uh, I can't really, I don't really remember my first memory, but my best memory was when the 49ers played uh, the Atlanta Falcons in the NFC Championship. And I seen my dad uh, run that touchdown in. That's probably the best memory because I knew I was going to the Super Bowl next game. What was it like going to that Super Bowl and, and, and getting to see your dad play in a Super Bowl? That was the blackout year. You know when the, uh, all the lights cut off? Yeah, I remember that. that. that it was pretty, yeah, it was pretty cool, though. We lost, though, but it is what it is. Now, you know, I'm sure it's not always easy carrying a name that holds so much weight in the football world, but uh, how have you been able to balance carrying that Gore family name while also creating your own legacy and creating your own identity on the field? Uh, I've, been very ble- I've been very blessed to have a mom, like the mom I have. Uh, she never made me want to live up to the expectation of being my dad or anything. She just told me, lay back, be yourself. Don't try to be anyone else. And if people don't like you for who you are, then they don't deserve to be around you. And then my dad never put pressure on me neither. Like growing up, I, I never played. I, I played running back, but like, you know, in Little League, we played quarterback as well. So like quarterback was my main position, like all the way into high school. I played running back as well a little bit, but so – like, my dad never put me, like, any – he just wanted me to go out there and have fun. And that's what led me to love the game of football. We all know parents are notorious for giving their kids advice, whether they like it or not. And I know for without a doubt that your dad's definitely giving you some nuggets of wisdom about life and just about the game of football. What's the best piece of advice you think he's giving you on or off the field? Well, the biggest advice he gave me was uh, always respect everyone. Like, never disrespect because you might need that person at the end of the day and you don't want to be – like the person who just go out the way and people look at it as disrespectful. So that's the main thing. And just keep your head low, work hard, and just whatever you do, do it at 100%. Yeah, it sounds like some fantastic advice there. I know that's advice that I've been given in my life, uh, so I can definitely echo that. But, you know, earlier this year, there was a really cool moment, I think, for you, for your family, and that was you getting a chance to play against Miami, uh, your dad's alma mater earlier this season. Uh, what did that opportunity mean to you and, and more importantly to your family uh, to be able to play in that game? I was just very honored because, like, I could go home and finally play in front of all my family. Uh, we didn't get the win, so I was hurt. I was crushed. But uh, it was a, it was pretty big for my family. Just me. To me, though, it was just another game. I was focused on getting the win mainly. But I, my family was very excited for me to play in front of them for, like, the first time in years. And during your freshman season, you catch that short pass, take it 51 yards to the house for that touchdown against UTSA. And then later that weekend, your dad scored his second to last touchdown of his career for the Jets. That was a national story and a big deal. I remember seeing it at the time. What do you remember about that weekend? And we have to know, did you rub it in a little bit to your dad that your touchdown was more impressive? Because you made some guys miss you. You made some things work, but he kind of just, you know, goal line, punched it in. I always let him hear it. I always let him hear it. I always let him hear it. Because I always tell him, like, I feel that I'm better than him. Like, I feel that like he can't mess with me. So, like, whatever we do is a competition. Like, it's a video on YouTube that, um, like, we're battling against each other. Like, little do you know, that's our real life. Like, that's how we really, like, that's how we really compete against each other and everything. No, that's fun. It's neat to have that relationship with your dad and be able to kind of enjoy, uh, you know, the game of football together, I'm sure, as much as you do. 
Uh, let's talk about your career now. Let's let's transition to talk about your career at Southern Miss. Last year, uh, you kind of get the moniker, that mantra as the superback. Uh, you kind of took over, you know, at quarterback position in Hattiesburg. Uh, we've seen it reemerge early this season, particularly against Liberty. Uh, what was your reaction uh, when that idea was initially talked about of you playing this superback type role? I was ready to do it, like because, like I said, I played quarterback in high, uh, my senior year of high school and when I was younger, so I was ready to do it. And then, like, we were losing. Nothing was going good for us, so I'm like, it can't get much worse, and I know I can do it, so I was ready to do it. Coach Hall asked me to do it, and I was ready. In addition to your role as a superback, you ran for 801 yards, rushed for five touchdowns, and then connected on four touchdowns through the air. Heading into the offseason, what were some areas or game you wanted to work on and improve? Uh, every offseason, uh, I just work on getting bigger, stronger, faster because, like, their ability, because, like, I just want to be 100% at the end of the year. Like, everyone's going to be 100 at the beginning, so I try to be 100 at the end. Uh, that's the main thing, just keeping my body right. And that's pretty much what I've been focused on going from my sophomore year to my junior year. Now, you know, a follow-up to that, though, but what does your what does your workout regimen look like? Obviously, you know, Caden and I have talked about on the podcast, you're a player that it seems like as the season goes on, you continue to get stronger and stronger. You play better towards the end of the year. What are you doing in the offseason to prepare yourself so that as you get deeper into the season, you're playing your best football? I'm saying, y'all, y'all want me to get y'all my sauce? <laughs> uh, like, y'all want me to just, uh, what y'all want? Yeah, I mean, I, I give us a secret sauce if you're willing to do that. I mean, uh, neither of us are going to take and do anything with it. So go ahead and give us a secret sauce. <laughs> nah, I just try to uh, stretch a lot, uh, stretch a lot, uh, get in the weight room, just like do like the small things like like band work and stuff like that. And then just make sure I have my core right. Like I work on that throughout the whole season, not just in, in the off season. So I just try to have like a, uh, a plan throughout the whole season that won't overdo me, but will, will keep me just right. Now, you know, the way you break tackles is pretty unique. Uh, you do it on the regular. You utilize your size so well. Uh, give us a scouting report on yourself and then, you know, describe your running style and why you're so difficult for defenders to take down. My running style, I just always feel like I could never let the first man tackle me. Like, I feel like that's my job, like, to never let the first man tackle me. And then, uh, I'll say I'm a very shifty, shifty back, uh, very versatile on the football field. I feel like I can do everything. Um, and then I, I, I got, I, ve- I got very good at being a leader. Like when things aren't going good, and I challenge myself like to to step up in that role and just talk to everyone and be that guy that just calm everything down so like I can get things going. Following up from that, is there anyone who you just don't like getting tackled by? Is there anyone specifically that might have given you some trouble, whether it's in this conference, the new conference, or before? Is there any matchups on the defensive side of the ball maybe you don't look forward to a little bit more than some others? I've got hit one time, one time in my college, like that was hard in my college career. It was against Tulane my freshman year when we got like blew out. I got hit by Nick Anderson, the uh, Tulane, and ne- and from there on, I told myself I'm never getting hit like that again. I told it all my last time. Yeah, everybody usually definitely has one. But um, sometimes, we you know, we saw in the Louisiana game, you were part of one of the most electric plays of the season. I know me and Noah were watching that game, and we were super excited to see you watch that throw that 52-yard touchdown pass to Ty Mims. Um, you were a quarterback in high school. You talked about you grew up playing that position. Just walk us through that play. Do you go through your progressions? Do you just kind of 
shrug a little bit and throw a deep ball because it was it was pretty accurate. We just want to know what your progression was on that and what were you thinking? Credit uh, credit to Coach Hall. He told me all week if they walk up on us and disrespect us, like you can't throw the ball, we gonna throw it over their head. And we check. We had a run play, and like I saw the look, so I'm like, oh, he gonna check it right now. I looked back and he was checking it, so I was like, all right. So I knew Tom Mims. That's like the fat one of the fastest guys on our team. Uh, he's young. He's very electric. So I knew he was ready too. So I was like, I'm gonna put enough hang time on it. If I over, I'm not gonna overthrow him. So I'm only gonna miss him if he'll just get tackled. Like he'll catch it and get tackled. So I just put enough air on it and let him run under. All credit to him. All credit. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely, I mean, like Caden said, one of the most electric plays. We're sitting there watching that game live and we're just texting back and forth like what just happened. That was, you know, that whole game felt like that. Uh, You mentioned Coach Hall a moment ago and he's been, you know, I think we can put it. uh, He's been one of the most unique characters in the Sun Belt this season. He wears that dress shirt and tie on the sidelines and he has a really southern accent. Uh, What have you enjoyed most about playing for Coach Hall? Uh, he, he, He hold me to a standard like my coach did in high school. So, like, I feel like playing, like, for people like that, like a person like that, I mean, like, he truly believe in me and he truly, like, have love for me to, like, want the best out of me. And I have all all the utmost respect for Coach Hall and I'll do anything for him. That's a guy I really respect. Frank, y'all have been hot lately. Y'all have won the last three games in a row. You have the chance to become bowl eligible Saturday against Georgia State. What's led to this team's success in these last couple of weeks? What would you say is kind of different about the team's swagger, maybe energy these last couple of weeks that you've been on this winning streak? Well, I've been saying it since the beginning of the season. I feel like this team, like, we're hungry. Like, no matter what, win or lose, we know our goal, and we're willing to do whatever to work towards that goal. Like, as the season goes on and on, as we get, like, more chemistry with each other, I just feel like we all come as one, and I hope we just peak at the right time and make that run. Now, we've talked about this player on the podcast, and I'm going a little bit off script here for Caden's sake, but uh, Zach Wilkie, a guy that we've spent a lot of time talking about on the podcast, uh, <laughs> you've seen him kind of improve as the season has gone on. Just talk to me, talk to us about the growth that you've seen out of Zach lately. Zach, man, that's a tough guy, man. He gets the most out of from his teammates. Like, like we're always on him, and he I don't know how he takes it, but he he uh, that's a – that's a guy, he's going to keep getting better because, like, he's super talented. So the guys around him won't let him get any worse. So we're just pushing him to get better and better and better. And he's accepting it. And I feel like that's what's helping him, like, get continue to play better because he's accepting the, the like, pushing that we're doing and the coaching that Coach Hall giving him. I feel like he's going to have a great career. Now, as Caden mentioned, you're going to face Georgia State this weekend. Uh, They've given up the second most rushing yards in the conference this season. Uh, Without revealing any of those state secrets, what can the fans expect to see from you and this offense on on Saturday? We're going to start up front with our O-line. Our O-line is going to to get it done for us. They're going to create uh, gaps for me and the rest of our running backs, Janari Dean, Chandler Pittman, and then we're going to have some big plays with Jason Brownlee, who's been showing up big time guy this year. Uh, Zach Wookie gonna have the time to just dish it all around, and I hope we we gonna be ready to just try to clinch this bowl season, this bowl eligible season. I'm a defensive guy, Frank, so I always got to bring up a little bit of the defense and that nasty bunch on the other side of the ball. They've been playing great and been one of the best position groups for that group in the Sun Belt Conference so far this season. What makes that unit so good, and what's it like having to face them every day at practice? Tough. 
they give up nothing. Everything's hard to get from them. Like it's like I don't know. They're just all eleven. Like they all want to hunt. Like they all want to kill the ball carrier. And I mean, like they're just a vicious defense. And like I respect them guys at utmost. Like they know. I tell them like if we score one touchdown, we good enough to win. Cause y'all might not let that team score ever again. And that's how they play. They call it a nasty bunch, and I they nasty. Yeah, I think the point that you're making is very clear, and we've seen it throughout the year. It feels like if you guys get an early lead, uh, I think you would probably admit that as an offense, you guys feel very comfortable if you guys get an early lead. Would you say that's correct? Yeah, that's correct. But we got to break out of that, though. We got to, like, like we're a young team, so and we just started winning. So, like, it's hard for us to see it now. But as we keep continue to get wins, like, we'll try to, like, we'll have that killer instinct that we need to just put teams down. Now, you know, obviously football is a huge part of your life, and we'll kind of transition to talk a little bit about who you are off the field. Um, you know, when you get on your Twitter account, you can see that your faith is a huge part of who you are as a person. It's all over your Twitter feed, uh, which for me as a fellow believer is exciting to see. Uh, what led to that becoming such a, a big part of your life? Uh, me going through tough times and just having to lean on the Lord and just trusting him as I read the Bible, just like doing the little small things, the little details that's in the Bible, uh, praying every night, just just spreading his word, just doing things like that. Uh, I, I feel like my faith having have gotten better since I got in college because I'm away from my parents, like I'm all on my own. I feel like it's helping me become a man and just living in the right principles. There's a question that's become a regular one on our podcast, Frank. So we have to know before the game, pre-game playlist, what, what's some artists and some music that's going through your ears? I know some Florida guys on my team, so I have a couple guesses already in my head. And if you had to pick one song, maybe your one baseball walk-up song, what would it I'm be? Gonna say, I'm, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you. I'm, I got a question for you. I'm going to ask you. Who you think on my playlist? I know the Miami guys on my team, they were big on Glock 9. They were big on Kodak, some of those guys. So I'm going to let you take okay. it over from here. I know, I know you. There's, there's a list more. There's a laundry list. But I know that style and that flow is definitely. I'm different. I listen to all NBA Youngboy. Ooh, okay. All NBA Youngboy. I don't, I don't change it. I let every album play. I just, like, I just, oh, I'm lying. I might listen to Raw Wave. Uh, You know, the artist No Cap. You know No Cap? I do. I don't know if, I don't know if Noah does, no but cap. I do. Yeah, Caden does. <laughs> uh, Lil Baby because his new album came out so this year I've been kind of but it's usually just all young boy though and what's your one song now, your one walkout song what would it be um, one walkout song oh Freestyle by Lil Baby very solid pick a go to a go to you can't go wrong I always rely on Caden to, to, to say if they're great songs or not um, and I love how you just turn the table on Caden no one has done that before and asked him a question so I love that you feel comfortable enough to I, I do just, that I want. I wanted to see where his head was. I wanted to see where his head was. <laughs> Who you listen to before the game, Noah? <laughs> I wasn't much of an athlete, so you know there wasn't any pregame playlist oh, going on man. in my head. But uh, yeah, man, you're just okay, you're just okay. turning the table on all of us. But hey, let's wrap this up. And um, you know, obviously, you grew up in Miami, and now you're living in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Uh, they're two differently or two very different places in terms of culture. Uh, what are some of your favorite things to do in Hattiesburg? It's not much to do, but uh, give us something. The people want to know. Man, we we just go we just go out to eat like as a team and stuff. Other than that, we don't we don't do too much though. It's like it's very relaxed down here. So, what are some of the go to places for the team to get together and eat? Oh, Fairleys downtown. 
definitely a spot me and Noah have to check out. We don't we don't knock you for that. We know some of these Sunbelt schools aren't the most exciting places as far as population and stuff to do. So we've gotten some some interesting answers throughout the the weeks of this podcast. But Frank, we just want to thank you so much for joining us, being yourself, and give us giving us the honest truth about your your past, present, and future, and wish you the best of luck as far as this game against Georgia State this weekend. Thank you, guys. I thank you guys for having me. What a great episode with Frank Gore Jr., Caden. That was a lot of fun. I loved listening to his breakdown of that 52-yard touchdown pass. He kind of, I think, just said, you know, I closed my eyes and just kind of threw it and let time M's run underneath it. He was very real and authentic in this interview, and the listeners won't get to see this, but as soon as we wrapped up that interview, he flips the shades down and walked right out. He was ready to go back to work. Now, Frank's a cool dude. I've played with a lot of cool dudes and a lot of ballers in my time. And I can tell he's one of those guys just from how he carries himself, how he respects the game and also just sees it with his lens. And obviously his influence on his father has definitely helped on that and rubbed off on him a little bit. So a great conversation and a great guy. Super excited to watch him finish out the season because we did talk about it a little bit. He has gotten a little bit better towards the end of season. So looking forward to watch him do some damage the rest of the year for sure. Well, we've got a game to talk about, Kate, another midweek game. And I think if you look at the previous midweek games, uh, this might be the best midweek game that we've had in the Sunbelt all year in terms of the premier names that are going to play in this game on Thursday night. It's Coastal Carolina versus App State. Uh, these games have always been a lot of fun. We'll talk about you playing in some of these games, but it's going to take place at 730 on ESPN on Thursday night. App State comes in having won seven of the prior eight meetings between these two programs. Uh, the Mountaineers, though, Caden, your squad defeating number 14 Coastal 30 to 27 last year in Boone. Some certainly some good memories for you. Coastal, though, won the last meeting in Conway 34 to 23 in 2020. And Caden, that was another game that you were intricately involved in. So you kind of have a love hate relationship with this series here. There's been a lot more love because you've won a lot of games against Coastal in your career. But what was your favorite moment uh, in all the times that you've played against this Coastal team? Great question, Noah. This is obviously one of the newer rivalries in the Sunbelt. When I got to App, Georgia Southern was always the focus. That was always the team on our side of the division that we were worried about most concerned. But then watching Coastal grow as a program and really become a team you had to worry about every year and watching that rivalry spark up was an amazing thing to be a part of in a great time. But I have to go to last year's game as far as my favorite memory. Obviously, Coastal got the best of us the year before, but last year we pulled off that 30-27 to 27 win. Malik Williams had a great performance. We had the onside kick recovery, just a lot of big plays and momentum. And as far as home game goes in my career, best home game I've ever played in the App State. So it was a super electric time, and I know one that everyone on that team will remember forever. Well, I believe this one's going to be just as electric. And this game, it has to start with the quarterback play. It's a battle of two of the best quarterbacks in the Sun Belt, Chase Bryce, who's having the best season of his career, and Grayson McCall, who's doing Grayson McCall things, having another outstanding year. Chase Bryce comes in. He's responsible for 25 touchdowns on the season, 22 through the air, three more on the ground. He's completed 65% of his passes and thrown for just under 2,000 yards. McCall, pretty similar stats, 23 touchdowns, 19 through the air, four more on the ground. Just under 70% completion, and he's thrown for over 2,000 yards. Caden, this is the premier quarterback battle that we have seen in the Sun Belt all season long. 
hundred percent. And I feel like out of all the quarterback battles we had, I'm the most qualified to talk about this one because I've played against Grace and obviously and had to practice and play against Chase a bunch. And just looking at the two styles of play, these are two quarterbacks. If you're a safety and a guy on the back end, always have to worry about them as far as getting the ball over the top and knowing their offense like the back of their hand. I feel like Grace and I've talked about in the past is just an absolute maestro. When you play against him, you feel like you're playing against a guy who could run the offense with his eyes closed. He very rarely makes the wrong decisions. And you can see that from how he takes care of the football and his percentages and his QBR and all of those good things. And then when you look at the flip side, you look at Chase Bryce, a big play guy, a guy you always have to worry about as far as connecting with deep targets and has lately shown some mobility as well as being able to far, fall forward and convert third downs and convert touchdowns for his team. And now I think especially this year in Kevin Barbe's system, you're seeing some of those Grayson McCall esque playmaking abilities and that comfort as far as making the right decisions in the offense. So I'm super excited specifically in this year and this season with how these guys are playing to watch them duke it out because they'll definitely be one of the bigger catalysts as far as how te- which team wins this game. You have to imagine that when the television turns on at 7.30 and ESPN flashes their first graphic, it's probably going to be a comparison of Chase Bryce and Grayson McCall, and that will definitely be the biggest story in this game, which quarterback has the, the better game. Another big story in this game will be the health of Nate Noel and Cameron Peoples. They've gotten healthy finally, and that's a great sign if you're an App State Mountaineers fan, having those guys back in the backfield performing well. They only had to carry the ball 11 times against Robert Morris and Caden. As that game went on, you kind of got the sense that with the big lead, they were trying to keep those two guys healthy, knowing that this game was looming in this week. Yeah, and going into the season, we talked about how big this Robert Morris game would be as far as App State being able to re-up and rest and prepare those guys for really the bulk of their most important bulk of their schedule. And I think you saw that very much in the last Robert Morris game. Obviously, their top backs didn't get a lot of touches in those games. But I think if you look at the whole season for App State, Hasn't been one where you've had one lead back that's really paved the way and been that workhorse for you that you've seen in the past. And I know some App State fans are a little bit upset about that, but I think it's really just become a necessity. It's become injuries that have been battled by Cam Peoples, by Nate Noel, and having to see different guys take the load. We have a couple guys on the team now that have had 20, 30 plus carries and maybe not necessarily a a thousand ride rusher this year. We might see Cam Peoples maybe do some games like he had in the Myrtle Beach Bowl to get those numbers up. But I think now is the time for this App State running back room who might have been not necessarily counted out, but just not as explosive and as dynamic as we've seen in the past because of those injuries, hopefully get healthy and be able to do some damage against this coastal defense who's shown some problems stopping the run and the pass really in different points of the season. Yeah, we've seen performances from Blake Watson Uh, you know, a couple weeks ago where he runs all over this coastal defense, but they had a really nice bounce back performance last week against Marshall, where they give up just 73 yards to Marshall. It was a season low for the thundering herd. They held Kalen Laybourne, who has been consistently throughout the season, been one of the best running backs in college football to a season low 59 yards. App State, though, Caden, as we've talked about already on this podcast, they come in, they've run for 691 yards in their last two games. They're averaging 345 yards per game on the ground. But the Black Swarm defense needs to have another big performance or else it could be a really long night in Conway for the Chanticleers. You'd like to think for Coastal's defense coming off of a performance where they stop Marshall from running the ball, they can stop just about anybody running the ball because we've talked on this podcast in depth about how hard it is to stop Marshall's run game and them being so dynamic in the run game and not in the pass game is something they lean on for them to be able to stop them is huge. So Coastal's run game, their front seven should definitely feel confident going into this one. They've obviously played App State last year in a game where they gave up 228 rushing yards and was a tough game for them. But being able to stop Marshall this year is definitely a sign of confidence, but it's really just going to be about consistency. I really think for both sides of the ball, I think both of these teams, when you look at run stopping, pass stopping, and vice versa, converting passes and running the ball well, 
has been an inconsistency for all these teams, both of these teams, then they haven't really been able to do them at the same time necessarily. So I think it's really going to be in this game about who can do most of those things and culminate them all at once in this game. And I think the running game is definitely going to be a huge part of that. Now we've talked about it at length, but Coastal's offense has been one of the most consistent offenses over the last several seasons in the Sun Belt. It all starts with Grayson McCall, but this is a Coastal offense coming off of a season-low performance against Marshall where they had just 271 yards of total offense against the Thundering Herd. Grayson McCall had a season-low 121 yards through the air. Uh, what do they need to do in order to get back going against this App State defense? They're going to have to get back to their basics, and I think they're just going to need some more explosive and big plays. They're obviously missing guys like Isaiah Likely, who we're seeing making plays for the Ravens now. They're missing Helig, that receiver out wide. That's their go-to guy from last year. They're really going to need this wide receiver group and these running backs that we've seen in the past step up because Grayson's going to make the right decision. He's going to put the ball where it needs to be, and he has done that. Just because his stats haven't been as overwhelming when they've had offensive struggles doesn't mean it's taking away from their efficiency. They're just going to need their players and their skill players to step up to the occasion and make big-time plays. They were a running back by committee room last Last week, a lot of guys got a lot of different touches. They got up to 150 yards. But I think if one of their running backs can maybe set the tone and have a couple long runs and some explosive plays, maybe their receivers can break a couple tackles and make some explosive plays. That's going to be huge for them. And that's when Coastal's at their best because their offensive system's not bulletproof, but it's almost as close as you can get. And App State's obviously familiar with that. But the better plays you can make with your playmakers, the more explosive you can be, the better off they're going to be. I think one of the most exciting things about this game, Caden, and you're a defensive guy, so you're going to love this point here, but the excellent linebacker play that we will probably see in this game, you look at Coastal, they have guys like JT Killen and Shane Bruce, Josiah Stewart, who's been on the podcast. Then you look at App State, you've got Andrew Parker, Trey Cobb, Nick Hampton, Logan Dublin. Like The list goes on and on at this linebacker position for both teams, and they're going to make it difficult on each other's quarterbacks for sure in this contest quarterbacks and the running backs I mean if you look at both of these teams they have very explosive players and dynamic linebackers if you look at both outside linebackers and interior guys you talked about some of those interior guys who can play downhill and if they know their gap they're going to make some things happen those are the JT Killens those are the Andrew Parkers where if they have that open a gap they're going to hit it they're going to make your running back pay and then you look on the outside of the ball talked about Nick Hampton and his ability to rush the passer as well and a drop into coverage a guest in front of the podcast Isaiah Stewart, his abilities on the edge as well. So if you look at just both teams as far as linebackers, not only good players, but dynamic players, but those two last guys I talked about, Nick Hampton and Isaiah Stewart, I'm looking for them to have big games. I think those two guys could really be some of the bigger game-changing performers in this game. And we've seen Nick Hampton obviously get his sack total up to something that's in the national numbers now with his seven sacks. But Isaiah Stewart, not so much this year. He hasn't had a sack in a couple weeks and has kind of been a down year. And some of that has to do with his position change. But I would look for those two guys specifically to maybe make the big play, maybe the forced fumble that could happen in this game and really swing some momentum. Yeah, we've seen guys like Josiah Stewart and Nick Hampton do a lot of great things during their career. Expect to see that in this game. Big players tend to step up in big games. And those are two players that we're looking out to see if they step up. Another area that both teams are very strong in, Caden, heading into this matchup is the offensive line. Teams have combined uh, for just, they've given up just 27 sacks when you combine the two programs. App State comes in at second best. They've given up uh, just 11 this year. Coastal's given up 16, but both offensive lines were named to that Joe Moore Award midseason watch list. Uh, they've been excellent, and it's going to be hard for both of these defenses to get to uh, the opposing quarterbacks. 
Yeah, it's definitely the unsung heroes of both of these get teams and something that's not talked about a ton. We obviously lean into that when we talk about quarterback play and offensive play like Kyle Van Treese, a guy who hasn't really been touched at all this year. And these guys have been touched a little bit more, but these offensive lines as a whole are playing fantastic and doing a great job of protecting both of their quarterbacks. I think if you look at some of the best performances from both of these teams offensively with the quarterbacks, a lot of them have to do with them not being touched. And when you have a guy like Grayson McCall who can also make guys miss and extend plays, that's super helpful. And as well as Chase Bryce back there being able to do some things past the line of scrimmage. So I'm super excited to watch both of these offensive lines do their best to protect some good defensive fronts as well. And it's not a ridiculous thing to say that whichever quarterback is protected the most is under the less pressure is going to be able to really hit their ceiling and play their best game and might result in a victory for that team. Caden, you are uniquely qualified to answer this next question, and that is when you look at both of these secondaries, uh, neither has had excellent seasons. Uh, There's been some games where they've given up a lot of yards, but at this point in the season, Caden, who do you think has uh, the better secondary between App State and, and Coastal Carolina? It's interesting. You look at both of these units and we're used to them being dominant units. And it's funny, after the App State performance against Robert Morris, when they held him to about 70 yards in the air, now all of a sudden they're the top statistical defensive back unit in the country. But I think if you look at both units, they kind of even out as far as it goes with consistency this year. They've both shown really good things and really bad things. You look at last week with Coastal Carolina, didn't get to Marshall team, who we know is not known for throwing the ball that much, but they did give up a ton of yardage, but kept them out the end zone. We've seen App State kind of do the opposite sometimes this year, kind of play good, but then give up a ton of explosive plays like they did against UNC to start the season. So I'm looking for both of these units. If I had to pick more talent as far as pedigree and the guys they're bringing back, I think if you look, the kind of the difference maker in this one is both cornerbacks on coastal side of the ball. I think they're just more experienced guys versus on the App State side. You, side, you see a Steven Jones, who's kind of their lockdown guy, and then the other cornerback position for App State's kind of rotated a little bit this year. So I think if you look at pedigree and consistency throughout a career and what they have right now, I think Coastal's guys are a better group. But then if you look at both units, I think whichever unit just plays their best and shows more flashes of the greatness we've seen them do this year versus the not-so-great things we've done this year, that's going to be the unit who has a better day and maybe wins the game because it's really going to come down to consistency for both of these teams as far as their secondaries go. Caden, I've saved the best storyline in this game or maybe the most important storyline in this game for last, and that is the fact that Caden Smith is not playing in this game for the first time in five years, and here's the reason why that matters. Caden Smith was 4-1 and one during his career against Coastal Carolina. He finished his career. I went back and did some digging this afternoon. He finished his career with 10 tackles and a big force fumble in that 2020 game in Conway. Caden, when you forced that fumble down on the goal line in the early part of that fourth quarter, did you think that you had won that game for your team? Yeah, man, we're getting to my old man tales now as a half state football player. But no, I remember all of those matchups very vividly. And yes, on that play, it was going into the fourth quarter. I forced a fumble on the goal line that gave our offense the ball back with a lead, but we gave that up and unfortunately we lost that game. And I think that really is just a testament to how hard of a place it is to play in Coastal Carolina. And that crowd was electric and I expect another one this weekend out of them. But like I told you before, this is one of those matchups that I think if you look at both of these teams, they're as far as there's, there might be more important matchups closer to the end of the season, as far as who's going to play in the conference championship. But up until this point, this is the most important matchup for both of these teams. And I know neither of them are taking it lightly. I know all the older guys on both of these teams are letting the younger guys know, Hey, this is a business trip. This is a serious week. And this is about to be like a game you haven't played in ever before. So I'm super excited to watch both of these teams get after it. I'd be more excited to play in it. That's the hardest thing about watching it as a fan and as someone who's been to app state and that bias that I do have and will share 
it is more difficult to watch these games because you know what you're bringing to the table as far as this is a huge game. This is a team I don't like. I know I'm going to give my 100%. And having to trust that and see other guys do, it's a little bit harder to watch as fans. So I know me, my friends from App State, and guys in Coastal even who are done playing are going to be biting their fingernails watching this game and expect to see a close one in a a really a hard-fought game. And whichever team kind of wants it more and really establishes it, all the stuff we talk about is nice. The stats, the players, the personnel, how they match up. But whichever team wants this game the most and whoever brings it the most is probably going to win this one. In a moment of transparency here, Caden, because we know when we get to the pick section in just a moment that yours is going to be painted black and gold because we know you're not picking Coastal <laughs> Carolina in this game. We already know that. But how how nervous are you in going into this game for App State? We've obviously um, seen some of the question marks throughout the season for the Mountaineers at times, but they have a chance to play themselves right back into title contention in this game. How big of a game is this for Sean Clark and company? It's the biggest game of the year. I think if you look at App State this season, as far as nervousness goes, and we've talked about the narrative all season, they've had some distracting things happening in the beginning of the season. They had their game against UNC, the Texas A&M upset, the visit from college game day, the Troy Hill Mary, all that stuff in the beginning of the season kind of really added up and took away from some of the mistakes that this team was making. And now you're looking at the stretch they have, two back-to-back wins, get to rest against Robert Morris. And now it's that point of the season where you say, okay, all the stuff we did, that's the past. Now you can really have the opportunity if you're Sean Clark and this App State team to turn the corner and really push for this conference championship game and playing in that. And it's the same on Coastal side. We've been talking about Coastal all year as a team who has been pulling out these wins, but hasn't necessarily looked like the Coastal team from the past. And they did slip up against Old Dominion. So I think both of these teams coming into this game are kind of in the same position. We're kind of looking at them as, okay, these are two teams we're used to seeing playing at conference championship level, but haven't necessarily seen it all season. So I think both of these teams are going to try to prove to each other, to the team across from them, to the entire Sun Belt, that they are the top dog of the East. And I think it might be safe to say whoever wins this game gets on a roll and gets that momentum going and ends up being the East representative for the Sunbelt Conference Championship this year. Well, let's get into it and make our picks uh, for this weekend. Coastal Carolina versus App State on Thursday night. App, uh, I was a bit surprised, Caden. They come in as the three-point favorite on the road here in this contest. Over-under sits at 64. Uh, Go ahead and give me your best sell for why App is winning this football game because I know that's who you're picking. Yeah, so I am going with App State in this one, and I'm going to try to break it down and be as least biased as I can as possible. But for me, it's really about momentum, and it's about what you've seen from these teams lately. And I've been talking about it all episode. Both of these teams have struggled with consistency all year. But if you look at all the aspects of this game and all the facets of what all these teams have been doing up to this season, whether you talk about stopping the run, stopping the pass, special teams, quarterback play, offensive explosiveness in the running and pass game, if you look at all those aspects, I think if you really look at both teams as a whole, App State has had some higher highs. I think they've shown more impressive running back performances. They've shown more impressive passing performances, some better defensive performances against some better opponents. And I think up until this point, both of these teams are going to do their best to play their best football of the season. And I think you look at App State's best this season versus Coastal's best, I have to go with App State's. They're talking about being a healthier unit this year or this week, sorry. And it's looking like things might be turning around for them and turning around for both teams. But I think if you just look at App State and what they have as far as personnel goes and some of the peaks I've seen from this year and some of their best stuff I've seen, I have to go with App State. So give me App State to win. I'm going to take them to cover. I think it's going to be a close game. I think they're going to win by four or a touchdown. Three is a kind of interesting line, but I'm going to take App State to win. I'm going to take them to cover, but I am going to take a lower scoring game. I think it's going to take both of these teams a little bit more to get going. So I'm going to take the under on the 64 points. I think both these teams are going to be really getting after up front and really selling out in the very beginning of this game, and it might slow down the pace a little bit. We might see some fireworks towards the end. So give me app to win, to cover, and the under on the points. 
Well, I have to admit, selfishly, I would love to see this game turn into a shootout between two of the best quarterbacks in the Sun Belt right now and easily hit the over. But, Caden, I'd have to agree with you. I do feel like we'll probably see the under in this game. Obviously, both of these offenses have proved at times to be electric. I think Coastal has struggled at times to carry on strong performances from the first half into the second half. We've seen them score a lot of points early, but not as many late. Uh, In games, we've seen App State put up 63, where they've scored 40-plus in a fourth quarter. So, you know, it will definitely be worth watching this game for its entirety. Uh, But, Caden, I think I'm in a little bit more of a defensible position here, and that's by taking Coastal Carolina at home. Uh, Coastal Carolina won when the last time this game was played at home back in 2020. They're going to be playing in front of a sold-out Brooks Stadium. Uh, We told you a couple weeks ago that when this Coastal team plays uh, on national television, they're hard to beat. I know App State has beat them on national television uh, before, including last year when they were number 14 in the country. But I really like what I've seen from Coastal Carolina. I think that Grayson McCall is the X factor in this game. Look for him to have a big performance. And I think Coastal Carolina is going to come out victorious in this one, which potentially sets themselves up to be that next group of five team up if Tulane were to lose. Cincinnati, we saw lose last weekend. Tulane kind of in the driver's seat right now for that top group of five. But if Coastal Carolina wins this game, they'd be 8-1 and one on the season. And if you see Tulane slip up in the next couple of weeks, there is a path here for Coastal Carolina uh, to get back into the top 25 very quickly and perhaps be that group of five representatives. So give me Coastal Carolina in this game to upset App State if you believe in that three-point line. I am also going to take uh, the under in this game. I'm not mad about your pick at all. I think this is going to be a close game and a good one. And I think one of the bigger concerns should be the competition against Robert Morris and that level of play that App State was just playing versus a pretty strong performance on the defensive side of the ball against Marshall, one of the teams of a big pedigree in this conference right now so far. So I think if you look at this matchup, I think it is going to be close. I'm not saying at by 100 points or at by a mile. I do think Coastal does have a lot more on the table, like you talked about, as far as postseason implications as well. And then playing at home is a huge plus. So I think if they are able to maybe translate some of that defensive stuff that we saw against Marshall and then flip some of the script, their offensive side of the game it's very easy to see them winning this game as well if I close my eyes I can envision both teams winning this one for sure like I'm sure you can but one more time I think I picture App State hey either way we'll strap up the helmets they'll put on the jerseys and Thursday night they'll take the field in Conway it will be a very exciting game one of the best games in the Sun Belt this year well that will do it for another loaded episode of the Frary and Smith podcast again we'd like to say a special thank you to Frank Gore Jr. and Southern Miss assistant AD Jack Duggan for helping make that chat happen Uh, Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with another episode on the Frary and Smith podcast on Friday, where we'll dive into the Week 10 action in the Sun Belt and make our picks for the weekend slate. Thanks for taking the time to listen. If you like what you heard on today's episode of the podcast, make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you'll never miss another episode. And if you'd be so kind, rate the show or leave us a quick review. We love hearing what y'all think. Finally, follow the show on our Twitter page at at Smith for all the latest Sunbelt football news. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.